everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Varian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you our flagship show. I know it's weird hearing my voice on this show. I don't get to do it that often, but I am here to deliver the show to you today. And we have some pretty exciting things to talk about. I really want to get into a deep dive of Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund and Der Klassiker. Why that game was important, especially to Thomas Tuchel, what it tells us and where the team is going from here. So we'll do a lot of talking about that. And then we'll get into a preview of Bayern Munich's Champions League matchup versus Galatasaray. That should be another exciting match. I think the Turkish side gave the Bavarians a little bit more than they bargained for in that first match. And uh, even though Bayern was able to get the win, it did show that uh Galatasaray was not going to be trifled with they are a serious team and should not be taken lightly that said Bayern Munich is Bayern Munich so we will dive into that later as well but as for the big topic that everyone is talking about Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund I mean the stage was set for this game everything was heightened Bayern Munich was coming off of a dreadful DFB Pokal lost to FC Saarbrücken in a match where Bayern just looked lifeless, hapless. They had no idea what to do against the third division side. Even when they did string some things together, they were missing that, that final product at the end there. They could not convert opportunities. Basically, if you watch the match, you had that sense that something was off. Something was not going to work. And in the end, uh, that's exactly what happened. It only took one breakdown for things to totally unravel for Bayern Munich, and surely that's what they did. <sighs> Coming out of that, though, there was the opportunity for a rebound. It was not going to be easy because Bayern Munich was going to have to go on the road to Signal Iduna Park, the home of Borussia Dortmund. They were going to have to square off with the yellow wall, and they were really going to have to bring a top effort. Now, given how banged up Bayern Munich is and how awful they played against Saarbrücken, I actually went into the match with a different kind of mentality because in the end, the three points in Dortmund wasn't going to make or break Bayern Munich season, at least to me right now. But I needed to see something more and even more important than getting that win. I needed to see energy. I needed to see the life. I need to see some kind of fight within the team because it was totally lacking against Saarbrücken. It's been lacking at various points throughout the season for as talented as the team is. They have had this propensity to fall back to the norm, to not live up to their potential. And I think what we saw against Dortmund was a little bit of an awakening. This was not the team that we had seen meander through matches so many different times. They came out with a purpose. They came out ready to play and attacking, and they looked like a great team, and which is something that I absolutely needed to see. One of the reasons I needed to see energy and life and desire more than I needed to see a win is because I needed to see if this team was going to respond to Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel has come under fire from big segments of the fan base. He is... <laughs> In particular, been in the crosshairs of Lothar Matthaus, Didi Haman. They have, the noted pundits have taken Tuchel to task and they have started to pick apart all of the little things that he is doing. And I have to say, I don't disagree with a lot of what they are, are saying about Tuchel. 
There are issues tactically with the team. There are things that he's doing that don't make sense. There are players he's not using that could help the team. All of these things are true. And Tuchel, doing what Tuchel does is living in denial. And I'm not even a person that is hashtag Tuchel out. I really am not. I'm at the point with Tuchel where I don't think he's a great fit for the team, but Bayern Munich is in a bind. They absolutely cannot fire another manager so early in his tenure. What happened with Julian Nagelsmann was a joke. In the end, total joke, didn't need to happen, big mistake. And I wasn't even a massive Nagelsmann fan. I wasn't. But to do it when they did it, it tanked last season for Bayern Munich. And it caused this whole trickle-down effect of bringing Tuchel in. Tuchel had a lot of preconceived notions, it seems, about some of the players on the roster. He has not been working well with many of the players on the roster. We have seen stories drop about that. So anything that's related to discord in the locker room, I absolutely believe it. This is what Tuchel does. It, what's What happens with him at every stop in, in his coaching tenure? Eventually, he grates on the players, wears them down, and they turn on him. I'm not saying Bayern Munich's at that point yet. They're not fully there. Tuchel, by a few accounts, has his guys, Leroy Sané, Harry Kane, players like that who he is taking care of. Then he's got the flip side of players like Leon Goretzka, Kingsley Coman, Matthijs De Ligt, Thomas Muller, players that he doesn't seem to have too much of a use for unless he needs them. And that was a very telling thing about the Dortmund game. For all of Tuchel's nonsense with Goretzka, and it continued during the Dortmund game, according to Archie Rintut, there was a lot of back and forth with Tuchel and Goretzka, and Tuchel was hammering Goretzka. I had no problem with how Goretzka played in that match. In fact, I would argue that if Goretzka didn't play in that match, it would not have been a 4-0 result like it was. Uh, but it continued. Tuchel needed Goretzka in that match, and when push came came to shove, he used Goretzka because he knew he needed to win. Now, when January hits and Tuchel gets his number six midfielder, Goretzka will undoubtedly be shifted to the to the bench. Kimmich will lose his mind because he will no longer be the number six. And that will eventually cause the locker room to unravel. That's my prediction, but we'll get to that point when we need to. The bottom line for right now, surviving week to week, is Bayern Munich needed that win against Dortmund, but they needed to show that life. And in the first 10 minutes of the match, we saw that life. We saw that energy. It was not always present in other games this season, but it was there. And one of the things I, I thought really was a, a cause of that was, one, desperation. They were coming off an embarrassing loss against Saarbrücken. That should never happen for a club like Bayern Munich. And yes, that is the beauty of football. It's why people love it. Anything can happen, especially in these cup competitions. I mean, if I was an outsider and I wasn't doing this day to day, I would be looking at that saying this is one of the best stories of 2023. And it was. It absolutely was. In German football, I'm not sure where there was a bigger story in 2023 than that. And that includes flaming out. Well, I guess the, the flaming out of the World Cup typically was, I guess, in 2022. But the fallout from it really happened in early 2023. Either way, I would absolutely say that Saarbrücken Beating Bayern was the biggest thing that happened. Now, though, Bayern Munich had that chance to rebound. They did, and they did well. And, and a couple of the things I saw in the match that I liked were the biggest, of course, was that the involvement with Harry Kane. Too often this season, and I've harped on this for weeks, 
we see that Kane is there. He's open. He's making himself available and he's not getting the ball. Kane has in recent weeks also shown some frustration on the field with not getting the ball in those situations. He has also adapted and started to drop in deeper to get on the ball to use his passing ability, which is great and makes him very versatile, but he's also the player being paid a ton of money and who Byron paid nine figures for allegedly to come in and score goals. So the fact that Kane was involved, that his teammates were looking for him. I thought that was a big step in the right direction. I don't know if Tuchel pushed any buttons with that or if this was just a product of the team realizing that it was in a very difficult situation and they needed a win. But either way, that needs to continue. I, I can't continue to watch Jamal Musiala and Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry just take shot after shot after shot when there are better opportunities for a pass. And it's tough to criticize Sané because he has been spectacular this season. If there's one thing that you could nitpick about in Sané's game, it's that he sometimes is still too zeroed in on taking shots. Now, with Sané, one of the weird things we've seen with him in the past is that when he's off his game and he's in one of his slumps is when he starts having trouble making that decision on whether to pass or whether to shoot. And that indecision usually drives him in, in deeper to those slumps. So with him, it's a very fine line. You don't want to take away that aggression offensively, but he's got to start recognizing that Kane in, in many cases is the better option. And for everything that Byron has put into Kane, all the money, all the hype, he has been incredible. He has been everything you could ask a transfer from the Premier League to be, to come in, settle himself socially, domestically. I mean, the guy's living out of a suite right now which and has racked up about a million, million euros in bills right now because he's not in a house yet, which is crazy, but he's got a whole entourage with him to take care of him. Kane, if you don't know, I believe has a trainer with him, a personal chef. He has a lot of people in his entourage that help take care of him day to day in terms of his sporting and athletic life. He's got a lot of people with him and that's what he needs. So he's going to put the investment out there. The problem is it's costing him a hell of a lot of money. And listen, I don't think Harry Kane is sweating that, but at some point he's going to have to get into a house just to save on uh, money just a little bit there. But either way, uh, Kane has been everything that Byron could ask for. I want to see more now. Now I'm getting greedy, right? Because I've been calling for Kane to get the ball more. But here's the thing. When he's getting the ball more and he's getting the ball in advantageous situations, he's producing at an alarming rate. So let's keep it going. Let's keep getting Kane the ball. I don't care if you have to force feed it to him at times. Just make the right plays and get Kane the ball and good things are going to happen. I firmly believe that if this team is going to get anywhere this season. Harry Kane needs to become the focal point. And on Saturday against Dortmund, I believe for the first time, maybe all season, he was the focal point. It looked like his teammates were making a concerted effort to get him involved in the match. And if Tuchel put that strategy in place, if he talked to some players and got them to maybe shift their mentality a little bit, then good for him. If he didn't, and this was a byproduct of just the desperation level that Byron had, then I guess good for whoever recognized that on the team. Either way, Kane needs to be more involved. But I think one other key aspect to look at from the game was 
Borussia Dortmund, what the hell are they? I mean, what kind of team has a, a club like Bayern Munich who's reeling, coming off a terrible loss? They have injuries to so many key players, and you let them come in your house, and you let them score two goals in the first 10 minutes. What an absolute debacle. Dortmund looked completely outclassed. They looked like they had no clue how to combat Bayern Munich. And that first 10 minutes dictated the rest of the game. Now, I will say this. After Dortmund shook off the cobwebs of that early flurry, they did settle in a little bit, and they looked a little bit better for spurts. But there are big problems with that team. And I know Eden Terzic, not a lot of people are a big fan of how Dortmund is playing under him, but they've been getting results for the most part. But now it's those little things. It's the little things like we talked about with Bayern Munich, how those little aspects of games that you might get away with against lesser clubs, you're not going to be able to rely on getting away with them against good teams. And I think that's what happened with Dortmund. All season, they've had a very choppy attack. And that was... uh, that proved to be true against Bayern Munich as well. They did not look in sync. And part of that was due to how Bayern Munich was playing. But the other part of it is I'm not sure that Dortmund has fitting parts. I think they have talent on that team, but I'm not sure the parts necessarily fit defensively. I mean, it is an area where Dortmund should be good. Nicholas Sula, Nico Schlotterbeck, Mats Hummels. They should be good players. Dortmund should have a strong backbone to its defense. It was a mess. Uh, Schlotterbeck, for one, he is a player who has gotten so much hype. But with the German national team, he's not been good. Against Bayern Munich, he was brutal. I I don't understand what's going on with him, if it's too much too soon, or if he's just not that good of a player and is living off a past reputation at this point. I'm not sure, but whatever the case... Bayern Munich took advantage of Dortmund's defense and Dortmund really had no answer. So if I was a Dortmund fan, I would be extremely bothered by that result. And not just because it was 4-0, not just because Bayern looked pretty much dominant in doing it, but because all of the investment that Dortmund has made in terms of players, they went out and they got players. They got good players to complement the roster. Pieces that look like they might fit, but these The puzzle pieces do not fit in Dortmund. It's not working. And they can go on and they can have success against some of the lower-rung teams in the Bundesliga, and they'll probably still finish in the top six. I don't doubt that at all. But that's more of a reflection that the Bundesliga, from about the 12th spot down, is a complete and utter disaster. And you have to take advantage of those teams, and it, it seems like Dortmund will get enough wins from that group that they'll be able to carry through. But I'd be very concerned about... The strategy that Dortmund has employed, not just the tactics on the field, but the personnel that they're putting together. And again, if you're taking Dortmund out of the mix as a serious contender to the Bundesliga, you're you're leaving Bayern Munich with three other clubs at this point. Leverkusen, who looks like a well-oiled machine, and it's tough to doubt them at this point, but it does feel like at some point they're going to hit a slump and that Byron will hit a hot streak and that those two things will collide and Byron will eventually overtake Leverkusen. You're looking at Leipzig, who is completely, you know, Jekyll and Hyde at this point. You don't know if you're getting a dominant team that can win 6-0 or you're getting a team that's going to lose 3-0 to a subpar club. 
you also have Stuttgart, the upstart in terms of where they're fitting in and slotting into the league. They've been really good so far, but do they have enough? Can they sustain it? Can they keep playing so well in front of Alexander Nubel over the course of the season? I don't think so. So Dortmund, in the end, will end up in the top six for sure. They'll stay in that position. But if I'm a fan, I'm a little bit worried about where things are headed, not just under the coach, but how how this team will function together. As far as Bayern Munich goes coming out of that match, it's very important for Bayern to continue playing that same relentless attacking style. I can't emphasize that enough. They do not need to revert back into some of the things we've seen where it becomes too much dribbling from Musiala. It becomes too much shooting from the wingers. They need to keep Kane in focus. I also think that Tuchel's going to have to do a better job of rotating. And I know, you know, this is a statement that some people will either hammer you for it or they're going to agree with you. But the fact of the matter is, we saw what could happen at the end of the Dortmund match when Alexander Pavlovich came in. He made a great play and sprung Kane for the final goal. Those are the types of things that can happen with opportunity. Uh, we've seen Franz Kratzig absolutely excel in certain situations, not against Saarbrücken where he had a god-awful match, but we've seen that when the younger players have gotten an opportunity, they've stepped up their level of play. Now, I don't think players like Pavlovich and Kratzig are in a position to where they can play 90 minutes in the Bundesliga and it's going to look pretty, but I would continue to get their feet wet with sub appearances and, and hope that they can make that adjustment, adjust to the level of play, the speed of play. And at one point, maybe later in the season, be ready to take on 90 minutes. And I think that that's a, a good strategy that Tuchel should continue to employ, but there is no guarantee that he will. Not using Thomas Muller at this point is, listen, I, I have to like always quantify this by saying I'm not one of those ordained hashtag Muller, Membia, Muller Mafia members. But even I, as someone not in that mob, can see that Muller has a lot to offer this team still. And he should be getting more run. And, and this is what leads me to two things that I am extremely concerned about for the rest of the season. And it doesn't even have as much to do with footballing as it does to do with the player's mentality. I look at Jamal Musiala and I'm seeing a lot of things. I'm not going to harp too much on him because I, I talk about Musiala a lot, mostly because I love the kid's game. I love the exuberance that he had when he first showed up and we first started making first team appearances. He had that joy and that youth that made everything fun where he looked like he was legitimately having fun this season. It looks like he has a job where you have some good days, some bad days, but you always have a blank stare on your face because it's work. Musiala, his evolution to me has really become something for fans to watch because as things have gone down, I don't want to say gone downhill because he's been pretty good this season, but as things have been up and down on the pitch for him we've started to see those rumors emerge about possible transfers not being happy with Tuchel for being subbed off etc cetera, etc cetera. you could go on for the reasons uh, that Musiala might be unhappy according to reports but I do think the kid needs to lose a little bit of his ego if some of the stuff is true that that he only wants to play the 10 that he wants to determine 
when he starts, how much he plays, when he gets subbed off, all of that, then I think it's just too much for the kid to be worrying about. Tuchel has to manage every player. He has to figure out a solution for every player to be an important contributor. But for Musiala, there are a couple of things I think he needs to focus on. First, he's a slight character, and I've often championed the fact that he needs to stay slight because it's part of what makes his game so good. Being so wiry allows him to explode in those short spaces, in those small spaces. It allows him to evade defenders and work his way through them because he's not this hulking mass trying to get through two bodies. It just works for him. Some people are naturally good skinny players. Look at Thomas Muller, same way. I don't know if if Muller was walking around like Schwarzenegger, he would be the same kind of player. It just works for players. And I think Musiala is one of those players who absolutely can, can be a superstar with that light figure that he has. But he does need rest. And, and we do know that he will wear down because of it, because that is a physical position at the 10, especially the way that, that Musiala plays it. While he's great at evading defenders and getting away from them, he also takes a lot of hits. He gets knocked down a lot. He experiences some hard tackles. And when you are that slight, you do require more recovery time. You do need more rest. And to stay fresh, you absolutely need a couple of games off. And, and Tuchel, I, I know it's Saarbrücken, did not start Musiala. And listen, at that point with so many injuries, I, I get Tuchel was trying and he was wanted to rotate. I don't know if it was the right moment for that. Either way, Byron should be able to take care of a third three league aside, right? With with or without Musiala or anyone else. But when he does rotate, he's going to have to start to do it a little more often for Musiala if he does want to keep Musiala healthy. The last thing this team needs is an injured Musiala because right now it does look like he's entering one of those phases where he's getting hot, where he looks good attacking. He's making good decisions on the ball. He's starting to be a little more open to passing, which is nice because it has not always looked like that over the course of this season so far. Musial has to continue to develop as a player. He has to continue to expand his range. And I think one of the things that will help him is the fact that Kane is so unselfish, that Kane sacrifices parts of his game in every contest. And if Musial can start to embody some of the things that Kane does and start to really follow the mold that Kane has set. I think it will help him immensely, but I do think that he needs rest. I think it will benefit him. I think it will benefit the team. I think it gives Muller some opportunity. I would still like to see Musiala at wing occasionally because he's young enough that I don't want to see him pigeonholed into one spot because in all honesty, his performances as the 10 over the last, I don't know, calendar year or so, it's been very up and down. He was terrific at this time last year heading into the World Cup, had a miserable World Cup, entered into a slump and a funk after that for basically the entire Rook Ronda, then had uh, you know basically this evening season-saving goal for Bayern Munich to clinch the league. So it was great. You saw this momentum maybe he could build from that. But it's been very up and down. And part of the reason in my mind is that he does wear down easily. He does need more rest, but he's got whatever going on in his head or from his agent imploring him to take this new look at the world and to have this new attitude. And you can see it in his body language on the pitch. You can see how he works sometimes over the course of an attacking period. You can see that there are just decisions that he is making right now that he was not making at this time last year.
So for Musiala, I just want to see him continue to grow and evolve. And that brings me to the other player who, who I'm a little bit concerned about, and that's Alfonso Davies. Davies is a player who I've I've gotten on in the past because he simply just loses the ball too much. And when you're losing the ball at the rate that he is, it becomes incredibly difficult to maintain a rationale for being a player that always is diving up into the play and bombing in and, and leaving the defense exposed. If you're not that productive and you're losing the ball as much as Davies is, it's tough to justify it. But what we've seen from Davies is either a plateau or a regression. Young players go through this, but I feel like this is not the same kid we saw back in 2020. And I understand other teams will adjust to him in his game and start to find those flaws and start to find ways to expose him. And I think they have. And I think many teams are, are successfully doing it these days. There are just some things with Davies game that are not clicking at this point. And again, I'll preface what I'm going to say. The kid has outrageous talent. He could be the best left back in the world. He absolutely could be. And he could be that for the next 10 years. And nobody would dispute it if he was. And they'd all say, we all saw this coming. Because even me, someone who's criticizing him, I believe that he can be that. But he's got to fix these parts of his game. His defensive awareness has is, I don't know if he's so focused on his attacking that he's not seeing some of the runners slip behind, he's not going to be able to rely on that world-class speed forever to, to catch up and, and make stops. And, and you've seen it this year a little bit where he hasn't been able to get back. And it's not because he's gotten any faster. It's because the, or, or any slower. It's because the opposition has adjusted and they've made the timing of their runs and their ability to get those passes. And they know where they can place them to get by Davies. I, you know, I look at at some of his not just awareness, but his decisions, whether it's defensively in the back when they're trying to, to defend in front of the goal or whether it's when he has the ball on his foot. There's just not enough good decisions right now. And we've seen a lot of players come through this and then struggle with this. Uh, you could argue that Leon Goretzka is a player that at various points has struggled with his decision-making and his passing. You could say that about Joshua Kimmich as well. At, at different points over the course of his career at Bayern Munich, he has struggled with this. We certainly know that the team's current crop of wingers have all had some issues with decision-making. Thomas Muller, a veteran, a guy who has been there and done that and seen everything, he has not been uh, an A-plus for decision-making this year. So it's not just Davies. But I want to see the growth from Davies. Like, I want to see it from Musiala. But I think more than with Musiala, Davies has to get over the hump. There is a roadblock right now preventing him from taking his game to the next level. And whether that's it, it's his focus, his commitment, or whether he's got ideas on where he wants to play next, something isn't there for him right now. It's not to say it can't get there, but right now Davies needs to really, I think, recalibrate himself Put his focus entirely on this season, not worry about his future, not worry about Real Madrid or Man City. All that can be talked about in the summer. He can figure all of that out then. If he wants to leave, he certainly will have the opportunity to, to do so. But right now, he's got to fix himself because whatever his next stop is, whether it's England or Spain, his star is going to grow brighter just from being in those countries. At Germany, he is a little bit hidden, let's be honest. That's that's just a fact. The Bundesliga is 
you know, you could argue where they, they fall in world football at best. They are the third, I guess, biggest league. If that's what you want to say, I mean, the premier league and La Liga are clearly ahead. And, and there's a huge gap between number two and number three there. So when Davies eventually does make that move, or if he does make that move, he's going to become a much more public figure. He's going to have many more marketing opportunities. He's going to become a bigger star. But can his play on the field match what he's going to be able to do off the field? Right now, I think he might be suffering a little bit from looking too far ahead, maybe planning too far out. And he's not doing what he needs to do to fix those parts of his game. And it would be one thing if this was just, you know, one match where Davies didn't look good. But now I think we're we're starting to see it's happening more and more frequently. And even those strident defenders of Davies can now admit like he has not been the same. But I think like the one thing that's important to note when it whether it comes to Musial or Davies is that most fans agree that these can be two of the best 10 or 15 players in the world in the next decade if they can figure things out and that's really the breaking point can they do it can they make those adjustments within their games to grow and evolve and become better players right now it looks like musiala has more of a chance to do that than davies but i wouldn't rule davies out i wouldn't i wouldn't count him out on this but i i am having some doubts that that right now he's willing to make those adjustments and that maybe more than anything is what concerns me All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to get into a a short preview of the Bayern Munich versus Galatasaray match in Champions League. Uh, Thanks for listening to that opening segment. Hang with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bavarian Podcast Works Flagship Show. This is Chuck Smith. I'm running a solo mission. If you listen to that first part of the show, you heard me break down what's going on with Bayern Munich after their classicer with... Borussia Dortmund, we got into the game a little bit, how things shook out, what fans should be looking for, maybe what's concerning, what's not concerning, what looks good. A lot of stuff to talk about with Bayern Munich, of course, coming out of that match. But that's good. They got past that hurdle. But now how do they approach this one? And Galatasaray, what we learned about them in the first meeting between the two clubs was that they are no joke. They are a good team. And I will tell you, I'm going to openly admit this. I was uh I was guilty of looking past Galatasaray. I, I I was I was not respecting them as much as I should have. And I, I will openly admit that I thought they were pretty terrific in that opening match. Of course, they were the home side. Bayern Munich won the game 3-1, but it was a far more competitive match than I expected. And I sort of thought things would be a mess for the Turkish side because they have a conglomerate of stars or former stars on that team. I didn't know how that would all work together, but honestly it wasn't so bad. And I don't think by any chance that they're going to walk into the Allianz arena and win, but I don't think they're going to go down without a fight. So when we look at Bayern Munich heading into this match, there are a couple of things to note. Yashua Kimmich will be able to play because it is a champions league match. And he of course has one more game of his suspension in the Bundesliga for a red card. So I would expect Kimmich to get some run. And I know there's some thoughts out there that Tuchel wants to plan and he wants to be ready for the weekend. He's got to see how Goretzka and Limer continue to look together and wants to give them time to build that partnership. But you are nuts if you think Kimmich isn't going to to uh, 
go into a rage fit if he's not playing in this game. So I would expect Kimmich to be in the lineup. Uh, defensively, of course, Matthijs De Ligt will be out. Uh, I would think that Nusar Mizrahi, though he's been a little bit banged up, is, would get the nod as well. Uh, you know, we also can look at Serge Gnabry as a winger. And, and while Serge is cleared to play, he's still nursing that that forearm injury a bit, just like Goretzka's nursing the hand injury. The difference is they don't need to play Gnabry right now. And I think Tuchel, if anything, should be very smart and very conservative. If he can rest players who were hurt, he absolutely should. When it comes to players like Goretzka and Dio Upamakano, his hands are kind of tied. He he can't really rest them because he has no one else to use. Uh, Rafael Guerrero, a player who many thought would be ready by now, is still banged up and injured. So it's not, again, not a great mix for Tuchel. He's got to make some tough decisions. When we look at who might start in that match, it's tough to figure out in some ways, but I think it's going to be pretty standard. The only reason it's tough is because you do have a couple of wild cards in there with injuries in terms of Goretzka and his hand. You have Upamakano and what's going on with him. So, I mean, in, in a way, we're probably going to go chalk with this and we're going to see the same lineup. But if anything happens in the next day or two with training, it could really throw things uh, for a loop for Tuchel. So I think we'll see Manuel Neuer in net. I think we will see the center back duo of Upamakano and Kim Min Jae. Uh, and again, Kim Min Jae to me has is, is not been great this season. He's been pretty good. Uh, some good parts about his game, some other parts that scare me. Uh, in particular, when he's on the left side and we see Davies and Kim Min Jae together, I, I think that has been a scary proposition for Bayern because there's been so many spaces for opposing defenders to run in. And, uh, Kim and Jay has not been the best at covering for Davies like some other center backs at Bayern Munich have been in the past. So um, something to monitor for him. Again, it was a good signing. I don't know that he is at the level that either he needs to be at this point or that he will be eventually. You can see that the guy has skill and he, he is a class player, but he needs to to show a little bit more. And I think eventually he will, but the comfort level is going to have to get there. And we'll see how things go between Kim and Jay and Upamakano in this match, working as a duo. When it comes to the other outside back, and of course, I think Davies will play no matter where I, I think. I know there are some stories out there that indicate that Davies is could be under some pressure and that Tuchel is not 100% sold on him after some recent performances, but Listen, Bayern Munich is not is not dumb. They're not going to risk benching Davies when he's already been linked to how many other clubs. They're going to ride Davies and they're going to keep him out there because they're scared of him, just like they're scared of Jamal Musiala. But either way, and Yashua Kimmich for that matter. <laughs> but uh, I think we'll see Davies and Nusarma's rally at the outside back positions. In the midfield, I do believe Yashua Kimmich will get the call. I'd be shocked if Tuchel does not use Kimmich and that he opts to to try and build a relationship between Goretzka and Limer. I, I genuinely don't think Tuchel cares one iota about Goretzka or Limer. So I, I don't put much weight into that. But I think that even Tuchel can recognize at this point that Bayern's best duo in the midfield has been Kimmich and Goretzka. And you might as well use Kimmich. There's no reason to sit him out another game. 
Uh, he's already missing the next Bundesliga match. So I think you have to give him some time. And I think Kimmich will explode anyway. It's, that is That whole situation is a powder keg. If I'm Tuchel, I'm not even risking it because genuinely I feel like Kimmich and Gretzka is the right move and the best move for this particular match. So I use it regardless of any interior desire I might have to, to build up a relationship between Goretzka and Limer for the weekend. As far as the attack goes, Harry Kane, of course, will lead it as striker. Jamal Musiala is penciled in at every match now as the 10. There's no disputing it. The Roy Sané, same deal. He is always going to be playing one of the wing positions. The final position comes down between Coman and Gnabry. And as I stated, Gnabry might be ready. And it's not as if Coman has been good. He has, you know, he's been good. Uh, and there doesn't appear a major re- to be a major reason to yank him out of the lineup at this point. But more than anything, I want Gnabry to stay healthy. I want him to get fully healed. And if I don't have to play him in this match, then I'm not going to. Because right now, I would feel pretty confident that I'm able to win with Kingsley Coman. And if that's how I feel... I would give Gnabry the extra time to continue to heal and to get that injury 100%. The last thing that Bayern needs is an ongoing issue or re-injuring of anything. We, we've seen what's going on with Tarek Buckman, the youngster. He has been run through the ringer with his injury, uh, yeah, a couple of setbacks so far. Who knows when he's going to be available you don't want to run the risk of that having anybody make something worse. So that's the 11 that I would use. You go with Coman there to fill out the 11. And I think you're going to get a win. As far as the score goes, I would think Byron is going to come out. They're going to come out strong at home. They're going to come out focused. There's a natural inclination to think they might let down a little bit after such a big emotional win over Dortmund following a big emotional loss to Saarbrücken. But I think, the Saarbrücken game provided enough of a jolt and a wake-up call to keep Bayern Munich on the right track. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I know you guys are expecting this, but I'm going to say it's going to be another 3-1 victory for Bayern Munich. 3-1, of course, being my favorite score for some reason. I always end up landing on that. I think Galatasaray is going to come out fighting. They're going to give themselves a chance. Uh, I do think they'll find a way to get one past Neuer because Bayern Munich has proven defensively that they just have struggled at times and they haven't been able to string together the types of performances that you would want consistently. So I do think they'll get one pass Neuer. It'll be three, one Bayern Munich will move on uh, to their next match in the group stage after this. So champions league can always be a little bit iffy, but Bayern appears to be in a good place right now. They have some positive vibes going and that's all you can ask for at this point. So that will wrap it up for this flagship show. Thanks for listening. I know it's a little bit weird here with me, but, uh, and flying solo on it. I personally like hearing the multiple voices that we have, uh, the tag teams that we have working these shows, but scheduling can be a nightmare. And I jumped in to get us where we needed to be for this week. So uh, you can always get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. You can get our tweet Meister Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get, I need a name at BFWIN. And then you can get Siler at C Y L three R. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. That's the important one. You want to make sure you're following that and you're always checking that when you're hitting social media. Of course, you can get all of our great writers and podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com where we are covering Bayern day-to-day. We're living that life along with the German national team. So keep hitting us up there. If you have any comments or reactions to this podcast, you can always hit put them on Spotify. You can get me on social media. You can drop them in the comments on the site. Either way, 
We will uh, publish those on Spotify and react to them, uh, to any of the comments on our post on the site. And of course, I'd like to interact with all you guys on social media. So if you have anything there, always feel free to hit me up. Have a great week. Have a couple of beers on me. Enjoy the Champions League match. I'll be coming back to you later this week to talk about Heidenheim a little bit. So uh, let's have some fun and we will see you next time.